Thanks for joining us for the special Mideast Prophecy Edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. shares the Mideast Prophecy Update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. Before the first coming of Christ, there were signs and prophecies regarding this historical event. For those who watched and waited for him based on these prophecies, he couldn't be missed. Pastor J.D. explains today that the same applies to the second coming of Jesus Christ. The signs are upon us. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's prophecy update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly prophecy update on YouTube. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's prophecy update as shared on August 2nd, 2020. I want to talk with you (laughs) about how with everything that's happening in the world today, we may very well be on the brink. And I know saying it that way is usually phrased or couched in terms of something catastrophic, but I actually want to talk about it from a different perspective concerning how we are on the brink. So this last week I took some time to sort of catch my breath and seek the Lord for some much needed perspective. I readily admit and acknowledge that particularly the last couple of updates have been uh, pretty gnarly, for lack of a better word. I kind of like that word. Um, Really gnarly, really weighty, really heavy, really intense. And I know that you on the receiving end and the hearing end of it have... uh, (laughs) Think of it this way, and I know this might sound sort of self-serving, but as hard as it was for you on the hearing end of it, what about me? (laughs) On the teaching end of it, I mean, it's, it's been so hard. And there's been so many times where I've just really sought the Lord and said, Lord, are you sure? Because I really don't want to talk about this. So anyway, I took the better part of the week and just really stepped back from the proverbial tree in order to better see the prophetic forest, as it were. And in so doing, the Lord ministered to me and greatly encouraged me that being on the brink is actually a good thing. And even a God thing. I hope that you will kindly hear me out. I want to explain why it is that first and foremost, we today may be 
on the brink of the rapture of the church of Jesus Christ. And for those who may not fully understand what the rapture is, that's okay. It's found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17. And here the Apostle Paul says that the dead in Christ are going to rise first. That means that those who were born again believers in Jesus Christ, who died before the rapture, their bodies will be resurrected first. Then we who are alive and remain at that point will be caught up in the original language of the Greek New Testament. It's the Greek word harpazo, but in the Latin it's rapturous, where we get our English word transliterated for rapture. That's where the word rapture is in the Bible, if you have a Latin Bible. <laughs> but we are caught up and very fast. In fact, when Paul writes to the Corinthians in his first epistle, chapter 15, verses 50 and 51, he says that when the rapture happens and we're caught up, it will be in the twinkling of an eye. That's not a blink of an eye. That is the twinkling, like the sparkle, that fast, that fast. Actually, Bible scholars have actually done the math on it. It is mind-boggling how fast it's going to be. I mean, it's a fraction of a fraction of a second. That's how fast it's going to be when we're caught up. And we're going to put off our corruptible bodies. I can't wait for that. And we're going to put on our glorified incorruptible bodies and we're going to meet the Lord in the air. And all of our loved ones that died before, prior. I cannot wait to see my daughter Noelle again. Can't wait to see my mommy again. I hope I see my dad. I I believe I might. Because they're going to get their new bodies first and rise first. And then we who are alive and remain are going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. It's going to be so fast, so sudden, key word. That's what the rapture is. Now, I'm going to take it a step further and suggest that it may very well be that the rapture is the trigger that sets in motion the fulfillment of many other Bible prophecies that are also on the brink. Now, this of course presupposes that one understands and knows the biblical truth and the sound doctrine of the pre-tribulation rapture which I want to talk a little bit more about shortly towards the conclusion of our time together. What I'd like to do now is present what I believe is a plausible scenario 
related to how everything may play out in the weeks and months ahead. Please know that I in no way wish to posture myself as having everything figured out, because I don't. Uh, Nobody does, and nobody can. But what we can do is interpret the signs based on what we know to be true about prophecy in the Bible. I want to draw your attention to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16. I want to read verses 1 through 3, but I kind of want to give you the backstory so you have a better understanding of what's going on here. So one has suggested that in the Old Testament there are over 300 prophecies about the first coming of Jesus Christ. And so when he came the first time, there were many who did not believe him. Of course, the Jews rejected him. And there were many times that the religious leaders, known as the Pharisees and the Sadducees, would try to trap him and trick him. Big mistake. You know, corner him, ask him a a trick question. Let's see how he answers this when we got him. And I love it because... Jesus, just of course, perfect answer. And he silenced their big blasphemous mouths. And such is the case here. Verse 1, the Pharisees and the Sadducees came to Jesus and tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. I mean, if you're really the Messiah, we need a sign. Because, as you know, as they say, seeing is believing. You know that's not true, right? Uh, It's actually the other way around. Believing is seeing. But not for them. No, I'll I'll believe it when I see it. I need a sign. (laughs) You know, one of the things that's so striking to me is that the harshest words that ever came from the lips of the Savior were reserved for the religious leaders of that day. So this is Jesus' answer. He replied, when evening comes, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, today, it will be stormy, for the sky is red and overcast. Hypocrites, You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. You know what Jesus is saying here? He's saying that the prophetic signs are given to us to interpret so we know how close we are to that which is coming, and or that where we're going, in terms of our final destination. All these signs pointing to, in the Old Testament, Jesus and His final destination coming to earth. It's a very interesting word in the original language. It's actually the same word in the Hebrew as it is in my native tongue of 
Arabic. It's the word mu'ad. It uh, carries with it this idea of a sign pointing to an appointed time, even an appointment. So like, for example, if I was to say to you in Arabic, ana andi mu'ad ma'akum. I didn't say anything bad to you. <laughs> I, can, I can, I won't. <laughs> what I just said to you in Arabic was, I have an appointment with you. Mu'ad, an appointment. I have that which points to yet future an appointed time. It's an appointment and it points to, and that's what signs are. Mu'ads that point to, points you to the final destination. That's what Jesus is talking about here. It's like road signs. Road signs. They're moads, if I can say it that way. <laughs> 1997, my wife and I went to Jordan and Egypt, to the Middle East actually. We went to Jordan, that's where my mom was born. We went to Egypt, that's where my dad was born. And this was BC, before children, when we could. <laughs> we traveled the world. We were in Egypt, and I wanted to go to Alexandria, beautiful, on the Mediterranean. And my aunt, we stayed with my aunt, she lives in Giza, where the pyramids are. And so she booked for us a train ride from Cairo to Alexandria. We were so looking forward to it. It was actually uh, one of the main reasons that we went to Egypt. So uh, we missed the, the train because of traffic. Listen, you think traffic's bad here? Go to Cairo. You haven't seen traffic until you go to Cairo, Egypt. So we finally get there. We miss the train. So my aunt says, well, well I'm going to have to get you guys a taxi if you still want to go. Yeah, I still want to go. So she gets this taxi. So we get in this taxi, and my wife's sitting in the back. I'm sitting in the front. I've got my fellow countryman, Egyptian, Muslim, <laughs> driving, and this guy knows that the quicker he gets us there, the more money he makes. So he drove very fast, so much so that at one point I said to him in Arabic, <laughs> uh, if you don't slow down, I will not pay you. <laughs> How about that? There was one point I, look, I looked back to my wife, and she has this look on her face like, we're going to see Jesus. <laughs> we're not going to see Alexandria, Egypt. We're going to see Jesus. This is how it ends. At one point, he passed a truck so close that if I didn't have my arm inside, it would have hit the truck that close. I'm going somewhere with this. Some of you are looking at me like... About halfway through, I started really looking for the road signs, because I wanted to know how much longer until we got to Alexandria. The sooner the better. <laughs> and I mean, that was our only hope. And so 
Then I saw one. It was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, it was in kilometers. It was in Arabic. Of course, it was in English too. But so, okay, well, it gives me hope. Not much longer. Not much longer. And then the closer we got, the more frequent the signs and the more joy (laughs) and hope I had. And the closer we got to Alexandria, there would be this sign, you're that close, now you're this close, now you've arrived. And those signs to me were the hope, can I say it this way, the blessed hope (laughs) that we were going to make it, that we were going to arrive to our final destination. We get out of the the car, and I look at my poor wife, and such a beautiful woman, and she had these sunglasses on, and she took them off, and she was my color. <laughs> she was all brown. We were for once a not a, an interracial couple, because <laughs> all the dirt from the ride, and then she took the... Anyway, that's... That's an image that has burned indelibly (laughs) in my memory. We're all in this uh, taxi on our way to Alexandria, and there's signs along the way that are pointing us to how close we are. I think you get the metaphor here, the analogy, right? As we get closer to the seven-year tribulation, the prophetic signs are greater in both frequency and intensity. The closer we get, the more the signs. It's for this reason that I sensed the Lord would have me address the matter of how the world today is on the brink of disaster. I'm not going to quote the reports or list the statistics, of which there are many, and I'm not going to do it for a couple of reasons, chief of which is that if you're anything like me, I think that you are, it's getting really hard to know what's true anymore. I mean, you hear one report, and then you hear a conflicting report, and it's so confusing, you don't know what to believe. I think that's from none other than the devil, who's the author of confusion. Another reason I'm not going to quote reports or list any statistics, which are very grim, (laughs) is that it would take too much time, and truth be known, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out just how dire it really is. Would you agree? I am keenly aware that even as I speak from behind this pulpit, as is my privilege to do, that I am speaking to some here locally that have lost your job, your livelihood. I know many online. If the numbers I'm reading are the same numbers you're reading, and if there's 
an accuracy to those numbers, then just by virtue of those numbers, there are many that are watching this, and it's not looking very good. I do want to encourage you, God will always provide, and He will do so in ways that perhaps you could have never imagined. He will provide from an unseen treasury in ways that you could have never dreamed of. He will always provide. He will always take care of His own. I am of the belief that the world economy is on the brink of a total financial collapse. It's just a matter of time. I am also of the belief that the Middle East is on the brink of an all-out war. This is exactly what we were told would happen in Scripture. Numerous prophecies in the Bible speak to this happening yet future. I would argue that COVID-19 is the way everything will be brought down in order to reboot what's being dubbed as the Great Reset for a brave new world order. Their words. Their words. While I realize that what I'm about to say might be difficult for some to grasp, I say it nonetheless. God is the one that is allowing all of this to happen. Keep in mind, and this is very important, and this is where a lot of Christians get into a lot of trouble concerning their relationship with a loving God. The devil is God's devil. The devil is not God's equal. The devil's not omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present. He is a created being. He is limited. And he can only do that which God will allow him to do. And God will never allow the devil to do anything unless in the end it serves his ultimate purpose and is for his glory, his kingdom, and our good. The devil can do no thing. Wait a minute, Pastor, what what are you saying here? God's allowing all this? Yeah. God is allowing all of this to happen. Everything is going perfectly according to God's prophetic plan. Now this brings up a question, and it's the why question. Why is God allowing all of this to happen? Good question. I believe there are two reasons. First, for the Christian, God is allowing our lives in this world (laughs) to become so miserable and intolerable that we won't want to stay here any longer. Jesus is returning. This fact is one we can get excited about, despite any circumstances we find ourselves in. Jesus will return one day to rid this earth of every evil thing that's destroying it. He'll once and for all take down the enemy and establish his kingdom in our midst. 
How soon will this amazing event occur? The Bible tells us that no one knows the exact date, but it does give us clues about events that will take place as it nears. This is why Pastor J.D. has created these Mideast Bible Prophecy Updates. The Mideast Bible Prophecy Update is a focused look at current events through the lens of prophecy. The Bible has given us clear indicators of what's to come, and we can see many of these events happening all around the world today. Join us each week for an in-depth look at what the Bible has to say about current events on these Mideast Bible Prophecy Updates. The latest updates are available on the In Spirit and Truth YouTube channel, and you'll find a link to our page by visiting InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. You can also access these teachings through our mobile app for Apple and Android devices. Just search for In Spirit and Truth in your app store, or follow the links provided at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. With this app, you can take the Mideast Bible Prophecy Updates with you wherever you go, as well as give you access to many other teachings Pastor J.D. has shared from the pages of Scripture. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope you'll join us again right here on In Spirit and Truth.